Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Well, it's happened again, folks. Um, at least it has at my house. I don't know about yours. It seemed like, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago, Max, uh, we, we woke up one morning and it was time to go buy new backpacks for the kids to start school <laughs> and buy new shoes and, and get ready for all that the fall season would have in store for us, uh, including uh, getting my little college football heart all filled with hope, um, which went well for the most part, but uh, my little horn frog heart's a little crushed after yesterday. So, so please all just take it easy on me a little bit today. I'm not in a good place. <laughs> But it really does just seem like yesterday, the Christmas, that December was, was a few months away. But now it's here. We're already in the middle of this marathon and on one hand and sprint on the other at the same time, uh, run up to Christmas. And it, it's like, um, the best metaphor I can come up with this time of year, every year is, is it's like opening a can of biscuits. <laughs> Have you ever done that? You know, you get the little can and you, you peel the paper back and you, you find the little seal and you get your thumbs all ready and you, you begin pushing on it and then the fear sets in, right? Because <laughs> uh, you know what's gonna happen. You even have a decent idea of about, of about when it's gonna happen. Um, some steady pressure and then just pop, the can of biscuits is open and your heart is on the kitchen floor and you need a few minutes to recover from the surprise that you just set yourself up for before you cook them. And I chose this picture uh, because uh, those are actually the faces that I make when I'm opening a can of biscuits. <laughs> so it's the most accurate portrayal I could find. Uh, but here's the thing, folks, is we're off already this year at breakneck speed. You see, two Christmases ago, it was the, uh, you know, kind of the pandemic shutdown Christmas. We didn't see a lot of people. Uh, it was pretty lonely. Last year was, uh, you know, kind of back, almost all the way back Christmas, where we were around more people, but maybe not as many as we would normally be. But this year, this year, things are just off to a rip-roaring start. And according to all of the generic internet statistics that I looked up and researched for this, the experts are projecting this to be the busiest and fastest and most expensive Christmas that we've had in a long time. Matter of fact, the number of Christmas parties that we'll attend this year is up. The amount that each of us will spend on average per person for gifts this year, it's up. And then I, I was impressed by this, this statistic that I found too, is that travel during the Christmas holidays is projected to be way up. Like 47% of Americans are projected to travel for the Christmas holidays this year. And that's compared to even pre-pandemic, like a third of us doing so. Which means that we're already traveling more and, and we're out and about more and we're, we're spending more. And I'll tell you, that's not even counting just the normal day-to-day -day stuff. They get up and get the kids ready for school and go to work and get home and make sure the kids eat dinner. Um, because in my experience in parenting, I've found that they expect to eat every day, uh, a few times a day. <laughs> and, and, and just all of the regular stuff too. And what we find is this season, if we're not careful, can be a time when our souls can begin to feel weary, can begin to feel the stress. And our question today 
is how do we experience this season, not in a way that contributes to that weariness, not in a way that mirrors the weariness in the world around us already, but in a way that helps us have a strength in faith, have a strength in sense of hope in Christ whose birth we celebrate this season. And thankfully today, our scripture gives us some really easy steps on how to live into that this season. We're gonna be in Luke chapter one. Um, so if you were here for Pastor Kyle's sermon last week, which was also from Luke chapter one, and you left a little offering envelope or a bulletin or something on that page, uh, you're in luck because it's gonna be really quick for you to get there. <laughs> but we're gonna be a little bit later in the chapter, verses 39 through 45 this morning. Just to set it up, this is where Elizabeth, the wife of the priest Zechariah, meets, encounters, her cousin, whose name is Mary. Both of them are with child, Elizabeth with John the Baptist and Mary with Jesus. And when Mary arrives at Elizabeth's home, this is what happens in verse 39, it says, in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is God's word today for us folks. And if we're gonna experience this season in a way that strengthens our faith, that strengthens our hope, I put forward to you today that Mary and Elizabeth's encounter, in that encounter, Elizabeth provides three things that I think we would do well to be inspired by today. The first one is simply this, to speak well of others. If you noticed, Elizabeth blesses Mary a few times there. And point one and point two are gonna be kind of uh, related because they both have to do with those blessings. And in English, the word blessing is the word blessing, right? Uh, but in the Greek text, there's actually two different words operating for blessing here. This has to do with the first one. See, the first one is where we get our word eulogy. And eulogy uh, coming from Greek means quite literally to speak well or in a broader context, to speak well of someone. And our main bucket for understanding that in our culture is of course going to a memorial service or a funeral where we hear someone eulogized, someone offers a eulogy in remembrance and thanksgiving in celebration of a loved one who has left this plane of existence and gone on forward into eternity future. We speak well of them, we remember. We celebrate, we eulogize. But what would life look like if we didn't limit eulogizing others, speaking well of others, blessing others with words of encouragement and hope? What if we didn't limit it to that context? What if instead we learned to speak well of others face to face while we still have a chance to point them to our hope in Christ here and now? See, if we were to take a poll of the room, I would be willing to bet that uh, many of us have a pretty long list of people of whom it is easy to speak well. I hope your list is really long. My list is, 
I, I, could, I could name names all day long. My wife, Amber, who is just loving and grace-filled and caring and wonderful. My kids at home, Jovi, Landry, and Gemma, my, my parents, family I was raised in, my youth pastor, Jim Woolley, who, who took time with me and poured into me and encouraged me and gave me hope, spoke kind, uplifting things into my life. And the thing is, is that as we look back over, uh, you know, the, our paths of receiving words of encouragement, of people speaking well of us. You know that it doesn't really like change your world, like, oh, it's not life changing and world changing all in one moment. But what it does is it adds up over time, just kind of drop by drop, encouraging word by encouraging word, hope-filled word after hope-filled word, little bit by little bit by little bit until our lives over time change. That's what God calls us to do, to bless others, to speak well of others whenever and as often as we get the chance, whether that's to their face or behind their back. But see, I'd also be willing to bet uh, that in this room, it's easy for us to uh, have a list of folks of whom it is not easy to speak well. And now, I know you guys are all good church-going Christian folks, so I'm not, I know that you're not making a mental list right now uh, of that like, a good, like your poor preacher is. <laughs> um, but that's where it gets a little difficult in this, right? Or it gets hard to speak well of somebody if, if there's tension there, if there's past hurt there, if, if there's difficulty there. Because the truth is we're gonna be in close proximity with other people a lot this season. Those office Christmas parties are firing back up. Some of us have that person at work that we don't get along well with. Those family gatherings are happening. And most families have that stereotypical, you know, at least the strange uncle, the weird uncle who shows up. And, and guys, bad news, uh, if you don't know who that is in your family, uh, it's you. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. But the, the difficulty is, is how do we bless others when, when there's that tension there? Now, Mary and Elizabeth didn't have that tension in the text, of course, but this is really helpful for us. And this is where the other word for blessing comes in. And in Greek, that one is makarios, which is the word that Jesus uses for blessing back in the Beatitudes. And the meaning of this word is we notice God's love for others. We take note of God's love for and favor over others. So when Jesus says things in the Beatitudes like, uh, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are you when people persecute you because of me. What he's saying there is you're blessed not because of what other people say about you, not because of what you and I say about each other, but simply because of what God says about you, of how God sees you. Because you see, this kind of blessing, this has to do with God's actions, with God's attitudes, with what God thinks about you, with how much God loves each and every single one of you. And friends, if, if God loves me, then the Bible teaches me that God loves the person kind of across the table from me too. And I need help. I need help in recognizing that sometimes. We all need God's grace at work in us to be able to bless others. When it's difficult for us to speak well of others, we're still called to imitate Elizabeth here. To say, hey, blessed are you. God's love is upon you. 
Now, if we're gonna get those first two things right, we're really gonna need the third one. And bad news, because it's the worst one of all. (laughs) At least it is for me. It's the most painful one. Because it just punches me right square uh, in in the pride. And I don't like that. Because the third thing that we should emulate uh, from Elizabeth here is to embrace humility. Practice humility. Now that one's hard, folks. Easier said than done. But let's look at what, how Elizabeth did this here. Now, remember, go back, remember, go back to what uh, the, earlier in the chapter it says about Elizabeth. She's married to high priest or to one of the priestly class in Zechariah. That gives her standing um, in the community. That gives her status in the community, sure. But she's also herself of the line of Aaron, who is the first high priest. If, and I know we've all read numbers very closely recently and, and, and know, know what it says there. Where Aaron, the brother of Moses, Israel's greatest prophet, his brother is selected by God to be the high priest and to establish the lineage of the high priesthood in the people of, among the people of Israel. And she's in that line. Folks, she's somebody. And not only that, but she has recently experienced a great miracle. You see, she's later in her years, as the text tells us, and yet after years of not being able to have a child, she's finally pregnant miraculously. God has bestowed this gift on them. And so she has a little baby, John the Baptist, in her womb, and things are going well. And then along comes Mary, you know, probably one of the lower standing members of the family, really kind of a nobody. And she comes to visit for the holidays, and she's pregnant too. Only her baby is the Messiah. And you really can't outdo that one. <laughs> but instead of being indignant and making the situation about her and talking, God, you know, what about me in this? Uh, am I not important here, God? Instead, what Elizabeth does is she blesses Mary. She honors Mary. She speaks well of her. She notices God's love for Mary. She encourages Mary. She fills Mary's heart with hope with her words and her actions, she practices humility. There is uh, one of the most famous evangelists, uh, preachers of the 19th century, Dwight Moody. Many of us know his name, D.L. Moody or Dwight Moody. Uh, he had a kind of a Bible college and conference center up in Massachusetts. And, and at that time, he, he, he would invite preachers from around the world to come for conferences and, and, and for times of learning. And at this one particular one, he had a big group of pastors from Europe come and visit him. And they had a simple or a different set of customs over there, of course, because when they, uh, the day ended and they went into the dormitory and the, they shut the door, they left their shoes, you know, their dirty, stinky shoes out in the hallway outside their doors because where they were from, they had the expectation that a member of the cleaning staff would be along in the middle of the night to pick the shoes up and, you know, kind of wash them off, polish them up, clean them up, get them ready for the next day so that they could start the next morning off with nice, clean, non-smelly shoes. And so Moody noticed that uh, after they went to bed, they left their shoes out in the hallway. The only problem is, is that is not the custom uh, where they were. Nobody was going to pick those shoes up and clean them. Uh, But rather than knock on all the doors and wake the guys up uh, and have his guests pull their shoes into their room, Moody instead, he he walked around and he gathered the shoes. He took them to his own chambers and shut the door and began to clean them, polish them, take care of his guests put their needs, their expectations before his in that moment. 
And we would never know about that, except for the fact that one of his friends came and knocked on the door and opened it up and caught him in the act of cleaning and polishing all these shoes and went and told the story after. You see, Moody, the thing is, is the place where they were, it was named after him. He was really important. Everybody knew who he was. They were all there because of him. And still, he went out of his way to pick up dirty shoes and, and clean them off and model the humility of Christ so that he could honor his guests. And there's something, go back to that little detail where somebody walked in and noticed. Somebody was watching. See, that's what we've got to remember this holiday season. Our actions, our words, whether we choose the path of humility or not, somebody's watching. And a lot of times around the holiday season, it's going to be the little ones. It's going to be the kids in the family. It's going to be the grandkids in the family. Maybe it's those grown-up kids who have little kids of their own. And what we do, what we model for them matters. It's important. I wish I could uh, choose the things that my kids will remember uh, about what I say and do this Christmas season, but the thing is I won't. They'll choose that for themselves. And it's important that we get this right and model the humility of Christ. Because there's a couple other characters in this story, if we remember. It's not just Elizabeth and Mary. Remember, there's two little boys involved there too, still in the womb. John the Baptist and Jesus. And just as Elizabeth, the mother of John, humbles herself and honors Mary, the mother of Jesus. See, a few years down the road, when Jesus comes to the Jordan to be baptized, John, Elizabeth's son, will humble himself before Jesus, Mary's son, in much the same way. See, it's important how we model that. It's important what we teach the next generation about how important it is to be humble. Because the thing is, is that humility, what it creates in our lives, it's really important. What it creates is availability. When we practice humility, when we embrace that, we are available to take part in those opportunities that God puts in front of us to point people to Christ, especially around this time of year, to point people towards hope, to point people towards a deepened faith. So we will return to our guiding question this morning. How do we experience this season? Not in a way that adds to the weariness of the world around us and adds to our stress, not in a way that, that makes us hit January limping, trying to recover from Christmas, but instead enter into the new year refreshed spiritually and ready to take on the new year. How do we experience this season in a way that strengthens our hope, that strengthens our faith? May we be a people who ask God for grace and help in speaking well of others rather than being harsh and critical this season. May we be a people who ask God for the help that we need in seeing his love and his favor over them, even when it's hard for us to see. And may we be a people who embrace and who practice the humility that Christ himself models for us in forsaking heaven and coming and being born as one of us, as flesh and blood, so that as Hebrews tells us later, he can know what it's like to walk in our shoes. Because see, friends, that's what Advent's all about. It's a chance for us to point a weary world toward Jesus. And when we do these things, we actually give the weary world around us a gift that it so desperately needs. 
and that we need to. A true reason to rejoice. Let us pray. God, we once again thank you for the grace and mercy that you cover us with. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. And God, we ask for your help this season. Lord, may we be quick with an encouraging word. May we be quick with a message of hope. May we be ready and willing to see your love and favor in other people's lives, especially when it gets difficult for us to. And Lord, help us to embrace the path of humility that you call us to. Not just so that we may be bettered, but so that we may point a weary world toward the hope that we find in you and you alone. And in Christ's name we pray this. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.